This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's another beautiful day for baseball in Los Angeles. And baseball podcast. Josh Schaefer and Blake Harris cover everything Dodgers right here on Inside the Ravine. How's it going, everyone? And welcome to a brand new episode of Inside the Ravine. Joining me this week, as always, is my co-host, Josh Schaefer. I'm your host, Blake Harris. Josh, before we dive into all the latest Dodgers news, rumors, all that fun stuff, I have a very important question for you because it's been a couple weeks since our last show. We are officially in December. So as you know, I've been enjoying all the Christmas festivities for over a month now. So I want to ask you, as someone who has recently gotten to the holiday spirit for about a week now, how are you enjoying it? Are you uh, officially caught up yet, or do you still need a couple more weeks to fully get into the Christmas cheer that I've been in since the middle of November? Yeah, well, you actually asked me at a really good time, Blake, because yesterday was the first day we really did a bunch of Christmas stuff other than gifts, you know? Um, so I'm pretty much done shopping for the most part um, for family. Still got to do some things for, for the girlfriend um, and for the roommate, um, but... Um, we're caught up on pretty much all the gifts and, and shopping and things. Yesterday, get this, you'll, you're not even ready for this yet. I Yesterday we made a gingerbread house. We made a gingerbread okay. house and we decorated Christmas cookies. And then we also listened to Christmas music until we were all kind of over it. And by we all, um, me and the roommate were kind of over it. Girlfriend was still <laughs> right. in on it. Um, but eventually that transitioned into watching um, Christmas Vacation last night so you know it was a pretty big christmasy kind of day um in in, in the household yesterday okay so good to hear you're fully in you're on board uh although i've been in christmas mode for over a month now i actually yesterday on december 5th purchased my first christmas gift so we're behind so we're behind so we got a lot of catching up to do thank goodness for amazon and like three day shipping so that's going to come in clutch but yeah i also need to figure out what to get people which that's going to be tough as well. And we actually have a pretty fun uh, draft coming up in our next episode. Not enough time to get to it today, but Josh, this is going to be a fun one. We are going to be drafting our favorite Christmas songs. And again, that's going to be in our next episode. And then if we record an episode next week, we'll transition to best Christmas movies. So those are going to be some interesting drafts because you can make the case for a whole lot more that 
are going to be the 10 that we draft. So make sure to stay tuned for that in our next episode. And also make sure to follow us on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, at Inside the Ravine. You guys can listen to the show wherever you guys get your podcasts. We are on the Odyssey app because we are brought to you by Odyssey Sports. We're also on Spotify. We're also on Apple Podcasts. So Josh, now that we've gotten that whole thing out of the way, let's talk some Dodgers news. And the most important bit of Dodgers news is the fact that the Clayton Kershaw signing is now official. I think it was reported maybe over a month ago that Kershaw would be coming back on a one-year deal, but it was just never made official. Like, the tweet happened from every major, you know, reporter, and it was just kind of crickets. And the weeks were going on, and we talked about this a few times, saying, like, what's your level of concern? Like, maybe did some of these reporters jump the gun? Is Kershaw having, you know, maybe some doubt? But it turns out Kershaw was literally just chilling in Texas, and he even said yesterday he was kind of just too lazy to get his MRIs done. So I respect that, Clayton. He's just in dad mode, and he doesn't want to go get his MRIs and his physicals. But uh, rest assured, Josh, Clayton Kershaw is back. One year, $20 million contract, which personally I think is a bargain. But if he were to get $45 million, I'd be okay with that as well because Clayton Kershaw is officially back for one more season, hopefully more. But we get him back for one more, which is fantastic. Yeah, and, and, you know, we had talked a little while back about whether or not we thought that we were maybe getting a little bit worried, and, and I think both of us kind of said, yeah, not yet. Let's give it another show and see where we feel then. And now here's that next show, and the Dodgers have officially signed Clayton Kershaw. Um, so one year, 20 million. I like the deal. Just like you said, I think it's good. Um, I would have been willing to do more, but, again, it's not my money either way. So um, if it is um, – so, I mean, it is going to be the one year. That's what we expected. And at this point, I think it's probably going to continue kind of being one year at this point and kind of take it a year at a time and see what we get. But um, for Kershaw, again, you know, last year he was one of the best pitchers in baseball. He was the all-star game starter for the National League. Um, and uh, he was one of the Dodgers' most reliable arms all season um, when he was healthy. So big guy to have at the top of your rotation. Um, and, uh, of course, the Dodgers – Dodgers fans are probably going to want to see the team go somewhere else as well um, when it comes to pitching. And uh, we'll see what we get in the future. But for right now, the most important, I think, player that you could re-sign other than Trey Turner, who we all thought was going to leave anyway, um, was Clayton Kershaw. Yeah, and I think Kershaw even said yesterday, like, moving forward, it's, again, going to be a year-to-year thing, and there's only two teams that I'm ever really going to be interested in. So, We'll deal with this a year from now, but the most important thing is is that Kershaw is back for another season. But let's transition, Josh, because you kind of touched up on the Dodgers starting pitching. One of the biggest rumors out there the last month or so has been Justin Verlander. The Dodgers have been rumored into potentially landing him because he was going to get that shorter-term, higher AAV kind of contract that the Dodgers love handing out. And there were reports that he wants that third year, and we all can expect the Dodgers being a little hesitant to give that third year, especially that kind of price, and considering Justin Verlander is 40. And yesterday, uh, we get the news that Verlander is signing. Officially, I think it's a two-year deal, but it has like a potential for a third-year option with like an innings number or something like that. So kind of a three-year deal, but essentially a two-year deal with the New York Mets. Two years, I believe $86 million. So $43 million a year. Josh, we kind of knew that he would get a lot of money per year. But I don't know about you, but I'm kind of fine with the Dodgers not having to shell out $43 million a year for Justin Verlander. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think that the Mets did, obviously when they went and got Scherzer, um, that was one where I was a little bit more okay. The Dodgers did not pursue that. 
Um, because again, you're, you're getting an older pitcher asking for a lot of money. So sure. The Mets, that's, that's the Mets money. They can do what they want with it. The Dodgers saved up and, and, and applied that those funds elsewhere. And this year, I think it's kind of the same thing. I'm okay with the Dodgers opting to not pursue, um, a little bit of an older pitcher. Um, that's no disrespect to Justin Verlander who throughout his career has been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, so um, obviously he would have been a huge addition. He is a big addition for the Mets. But yeah, I think I think uh, from a Dodgers perspective, I'm okay with the Dodgers not going that direction, wanting to give the contract and the money. And again, just like we did last year with the Scherzer situation, we'll have to wait and see where the Dodgers apply those funds in the future. Yeah, I mean, $43 million a season for a starting pitcher is insane, even you know considering Verlander just won the Cy Young Award. Like, I get he's still one of the top pitchers, but... $43 million is so much for one player. When the Dodgers can go out and they can add two starting pitchers, they can give two guys $21 million each, which is still a lot of money for one season, and it'll still be cheaper than one year of Justin Verlander. So it would have been nice to add him to the rotation. I would have been on board with it, but again, I'm fine with you know not paying him $43 million. But speaking of big paydays, Josh, uh, we didn't do like a full prediction kind of show where we talked about free agent predictions like years, money, all that kind of stuff. But I don't think you and I would have come even close to the contract that Trey Turner got. We talked about him a lot this offseason. Obviously, we would have been okay if Trey Turner would have returned to the Dodgers, but it just didn't seem like it, that it was going to happen. It seemed like Trey Turner was going to go elsewhere, was going to go to an East Coast team. Well, he goes to a team on the East Coast for 11 years for $300 million. So Josh, what were your initial thoughts when you got the notification that Trey Turner was heading to Philly for that massive contract? I thought for him, it makes a lot of sense. Um, this is a guy that in the past had, you know, been on the East coast, wanted to be in the East coast, um, wanted to be on the East coast, was an NL East guy. Um, and I think that that's a really good fit for him personally. Loved having him in, in LA would have loved to have him back again, but that makes a lot of sense, and it's really pushing that the Phillies know that this is their window and that they're not just going to let last year be a fluke when they were a team that halfway through the season wasn't even really looking like they were going to make a legitimate push for the playoffs but could be promising and go all the way to the World Series um, and then come up just a bit short. Now they're trying to capitalize on that by adding one of the most consistent hitters in baseball, um, and they're willing to pay him a lot of money. Um, so my first two thoughts were kind of similar to the, to the Harper deal. Um, and then my second thought was, if you want to have a big payday as a free agent, you should play shortstop for the Dodgers <laughs> because look at the last three guys who have played shortstop for the Dodgers on a consistent basis, and that's Trey Turner, over $300 million, uh, Corey Seager, over $300 million, Manny Machado, over $300 million. Um, so, you know, um, obviously I, I hope that if the Dodgers find success with their next shortstop, I hope he doesn't leave for $300 million, um, but or over $300 million, uh, but um, – yeah, I mean, I think that's a lot of money. I don't think he wanted to stay here long term. Um, and I think the Dodgers are going to be saving a lot of money by not bringing back Trey Turner for a similar contract. But um, for the Phillies, I think it's a great move. And I think it's I think it's a good fit. Yeah, I mean, when you look at that contract as a whole, it ends up being like $27 million a season, which isn't all that much considering Trey Turner is one of the top shortstops in all of baseball. And again, I would have loved to see Trey Turner return, but I'm more than happy not shelling out 11 years, 300 million. I don't know if it's ever going to come out what the final Dodgers offer was, but I'm guessing it wasn't anything close to that. I don't know if you heard this, Josh, today, but apparently the Padres 
offered like a record-breaking amount to Trey Turner. Apparently, they offered him like $350 million, but he turned that down to uh, head to Philly. Now, I think based on the California taxes, I don't know how much of it comes out, but $350 million for Trey, he would have been the highest-paid shortstop in uh, you know baseball history, and I don't know necessarily where he would have fit in with the Padres, considering they have a few shortstops already, and they're already paying some guys a lot of money, but apparently the Padres really wanted him and were willing to make him, like, literally, I think, like, the fifth or sixth highest paid player in baseball history, which, no, you know, nothing against Trey Turner, but I don't think he's worthy of being the fifth or sixth highest paid player in baseball history. Especially on a team that are, that is going to have Fernando Tatis Jr. coming back next year, and also, um, I mean, they've just gotten pretty reliable defensive play from their shortstops that they've had the last couple seasons. Maybe not defensively from Tatis, but the guy can hit. Obviously, he'll come back. Missed a majority of last season. Um, but they've got guys they can turn to. Um, and and I just – what are you going to do? Because it's not like you're you're not going to put him at short because you certainly aren't going to be like, all right, well, Tatis is coming back and we'll put him elsewhere, so we'll put him at second. You can't do that with a guy like Cronenworth either. So Or, or put him anywhere else in the infield. So where exactly were they going to put him? That's a lot of money to offer. Um, and, I, and I will say I'm a little bit glad to see him not go to the Padres. Yeah, I mean, it would have been interesting, again, like you said, because Hassan Kim, yeah, defensively is insane there. Then you got Tatis Way coming better back. Than so what, yeah, what do you do if Trey Turner is there? And like you said, the Crone zone, that, that would have been interesting to see. Would have been kind of fun. But yeah, I'm glad that Trey Turner is not going to stay in the division for another decade. So he goes, he gets his payday. Just a couple of other rumors we're going to talk about. I do want to talk about the Dodgers shortstop as a whole moving forward, but we're going to save one of the main pieces actually for our mailbag because we turned to Twitter. We asked, you know, you guys for some questions, and of course, a lot of them are in regards to a certain player. So we are going to save him for a little later in the show. But Josh, you talked about this with uh, this Dodger trend of getting $300 million. I guess that's a good thing because it means that Gavin Lux potentially is going to turn into a MVP kind of talent if he moves over to shortstop and if he's seeking $300 million in a couple of years, I guess that's a, that's going to be a good thing for the Dodgers. But as of right now, assuming they don't sign a free agent, it looks like Gavin Lux is going to be the starting, starting shortstop for the Dodgers. So how would you feel about that if the Dodgers opt to uh, move Lux from second to short and rely on him as your uh, everyday guy there? Well, obviously, you know, we're going to get into this in a little bit, but Andrew Friedman did say actually uh, not too long ago uh, that there are still a lot – when asked about Gavin Lux playing short, he said there are still a lot of good options um, available on the market. Um, so so that's something to, to keep in mind. But um, Gavin Lux um, has been good. He I think he's good defensively. I, I, I would welcome Gavin Lux being the full-time shortstop for the Dodgers. Um, but I would also like to see the Dodgers make a splash in free agency, even if it's not say at short, if they can go and fill a position elsewhere that frees up Gavin Lux to play short full time, and then also shift a few things around defensively. Um, something that also contributes to the offense. I'd be fine with that. So, I mean, you, you had talked about the whole judge thing and, you know, if they put judge in right field, that, I think the judge thing is a good example. If the Dodgers were to make a splash and get Aaron judge that likely moves, Mookie bets either to center field or to second base, right? Well, second base, if Mookie's there full-time, that moves Lux over to short full-time. That's kind of the move that I'm talking about. One of those moves that has a domino effect that puts Gavin Lux at short. I'm fine with that moving forward. I think defensively he'd be fine. I think defensively he's an upgrade on Corey Seager. Um, 
I thought that Trey Turner was an upgrade on Corey Seager. Who knows? Obviously, there were some plays in the postseason last year that made you question Trey Turner a little bit. But realistically, uh, in in reality, maybe Gavin Lux is an upgrade on on Trey Turner as well. Defensively, at least, he's hard to be. It's hard to get an upgrade um, at the plate um, for for both Seager and Trey Turner. But who knows with the way that um, with the way that Lux had been trending upward, basically in all facets of his game these last couple of years. Uh, he, he could be a pretty reliable player for the Dodgers. And of course, maybe that means he's going to be worth 300 million one day. Yeah. Hopefully the trend continues. I mean, the thing with Lux is it's kind of weird seeing it all over social media. It's like the Dodgers are turning to some double a player. They'd have to go to a shortstop. I mean, Gavin Lux isn't like the absolute worst case scenario. If he's your, you know, plan C plan D, everything doesn't go as planned and you have to settle on Gavin Lux. That's a pretty good option, and, you know, it's his natural position. That's what he played, you know, coming up through the minors. What he could have played at Arizona State had we uh, gotten the chance to yeah. see him, maybe, but uh, we'll yeah. never know. But, I mean, again, defensively, he's probably an upgrade. Offensively, like you said, Josh, he is a downgrade, but you don't need him to be a 20-home run something kind of guy. You need him to do essentially what he did last year, and that's get on base, that's steal bases when he's on base, maybe have a little more power, which is something I'd like to see from him. If he can hit just 15 home runs a season, he'll be an all-star caliber player, so maybe we get that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens at shortstop, especially with Gavin Lux. A whole lot of questions in regards to the infield because, again, second base, it could be Max Muncie, it could be Gavin Lux, could be Mookie Betts, could be Michael Bush. Then you look at shortstop, there's so many free agents, it could be Gavin Lux. And third base, again, we still don't know as well who exactly is going to be there. Is it going to be Miguel Vargas? Is it going to be Justin Turner? Max Muncy, is he going to be seeing significant run there? So outside of first base, there's a whole lot of question marks surrounding this infield. But Josh, we're going to take our quick break. When we come back, we're just going to quickly touch on some other rumors that have come up today with the Dodgers. And then we're going to get to the mailbag where we talk about uh, he who shall not be named is what I think we'll refer to him as uh, leading up to that discussion. So stay tuned for that. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, we are back, and Josh, before we get into our mailbag with questions from the viewers, just a couple of other rumors that I quickly want to touch on. Uh, there was a rumor today that the Miami Marlins are interested in Justin Turner. So, obviously, the Dodgers want to bring back Justin Turner, but uh, the Marlins being interested in a near 40-year-old, a, a young team rebuilding, so... We're not going to do like some sort of game segment that we've kind of done in the past where we have creative names and all that kind of stuff, but just like on a scale of 1, th one through 10, 10 being I'm worried, 1 being I'm not worried, What are your uh, what's your ranking on Justin Turner potentially being a uh, Miami Marlin in the coming weeks? Not really worried about it, and uh, I hope that doesn't come back to bite me, but I'm like really not that worried about it at all. I think that he wants to be here um, in L.A., um, I think what we've seen from the Dodgers in the past is that they would like to have him remain with the organization. Um, so I'm not really concerned about that. Um, at least not now, of course, these are only, you know, pretty, these are pretty fresh too. 
Um, so, so right now, kind of like the Kershaw thing, I'm going to pump the brakes a little bit. Um, I think that it's okay for another team to be interested in um, a guy like Justin Turner in the same way that the Padres were interested in Trey Turner um, and the Dodgers were interested in Verlander. We're at that point in free agency where it's like, it's like, I know you're not a big soccer guy, but I, it's like when, once the transfer window opens up in soccer and there's one player's name that just every big club in the world is linked to. And it's like, yeah, but how serious are all 10 of these top-notch teams? Like how serious are all these guys or are all these teams in going out and getting a, a guy like Aaron Judge? So that's kind of where we're at right now. So until we see anything super concrete, I'm not really going to put too much um, – too much weight into it um, when it comes to, you know, interest in guys. So Turner will wait right now. If there's an offer on the table, that's when you start to get a little bit worried or you start to think that something might be a little bit more realistic than you originally thought. Yeah. I mean, if it was like a playoff team or something like that, like a veteran team, I would be, you know, somewhat concerned, a little bit worried, but I mean, it's the Miami Marlins. I mean, sure they're up and coming, but I don't think they're going to be competing for the division next season. And it's just tough to see Justin Turner wanting to, leave for that kind of a team so I, I still think Justin Turner holds this out I think he waits until like January or so to get an understanding of where the Dodgers are salary wise because at the end of the day it seems like he wants to come back and at, at this point it's just do I hold out with the chance that I can get 12 million from the Dodgers in January or maybe should I sign now and get only 8 million from them so yeah not too worried but I, I did think it was a little interesting seeing the Miami Marlins uh, become involved in one final rumor Josh this came out this morning as well saying that the Dodgers are reportedly interested in Andrew McCutcheon I don't know if you saw that one I saw it a couple hours ago so obviously McCutcheon former MVP five-time all-star hasn't necessarily been the same player he was you know years and years ago going back to 2019 he does have an OPS plus of 106 64 homers in you know 394 games that's 162 game pace of 26 home runs. So he clearly still has it, you know, left in the tank. Not going to be an all-star caliber guy. So if the Dodgers don't bring Cody Bellinger back, they are not comfortable yet with Trace Thompson, James Outman. Maybe they turn to Andrew McCutcheon. What were your, th what were your thoughts beyond that, considering McCutcheon's, what, going to be 36 years old next year? So he's he's a veteran guy that you're having to rely on. Yeah, I mean, he, he just turned 36 last month or, or in October or something like that. So... He's an older guy. He's a veteran guy. Um, great defensively. He, he, he's always been a reliable outfielder, um, which I think he could be for the Dodgers. If the Dodgers do end up going and, and getting somebody like McCutcheon, that would be the reason why, I think. Um, but offensively, he hasn't really pieced it together as much as I think um, he would like to the last couple of years. Um, but, um, like, again, like, you know, the Dodgers have, that, have had that success with guys in the past. Um, going out and, uh, and and bringing in somebody who's a, a veteran player who might not be your everyday guy. Um, but I think that, that might be the role that the Dodgers put him in if, in, in fact, they do go get him. Who knows if that's the role that he wants to play, though, you know? Um, so, and he hasn't hit above 260 since 2017. Um, he hasn't hit above 300 since 2014. Um, so, I mean... He's certainly not the the offensive player that he once was, but he's still Andrew McCutcheon. He's still a, re a reliable player, and I think the Dodgers would get a lot out of him. Um, but again, that's another one where I'm not I'm not too sold on on the rumors yet. 
Yeah, I mean, again, looking back to like more of the advanced numbers, he's been essentially slightly above league average since 2019. So he's not an awful get by any means, but no, I don't know if you necessarily all. want to be throwing a 36-year-old league average outfielder out there when, you know, you could see what you have with James Albin. You could see what you have with Johnny DeLuca. You could see if Trace Thompson can kind of recapture some of that magic. So I wouldn't be upset if this Andrew McCutcheon thing ends up happening because the dude can still play. And I think it's always great when you add a veteran to the clubhouse. But I think for the Dodgers, you can do better than an older league average player. So we'll see. But I did find that to be a, a little bit interesting. But uh, Josh, what do you say we uh, open up the mailbag, turn to some of our viewers over on twitter so again if you guys want to ask us future questions for future mailbags and shows you guys can follow us on twitter at inside the ravine whenever we're going to do an episode we post just shortly before saying hit us up with those questions and josh like i mentioned a lot of these are pretty much about the same guy um he who shall not be named but we shall name him right now let's go to our first one and this comes from jay i'm all for signing carlos correa but i want your opinions how do you feel about the Dodgers signing Correa, and how do you feel about Correa in general? Now, Josh, before I let you go, I will say there was a report, I think it came from Bob Nightingale the other day, saying essentially executives currently are believing that the Dodgers are the front runners to sign Correa, and Ken Rosenthal actually dropped a piece last night saying uh, there are multiple player agents that think that the Dodgers are in the running for Carlos Correa because they can offer him that shorter-term, higher AAV kind of contract. So it's not just the rumblings from the fan base. There are people in the baseball industry that think this is something that's going to happen. So uh, where are you at with it right now? I know we've kind of briefly talked about it in previous shows, but now that it's kind of growing more, kind of gaining more steam, I want to know if your thoughts have changed at all. Yeah, um, I, I I don't love it. Um... And I, I don't love the baggage that comes with it. I do think that, and I think this is a term that I used on one of our last shows. I think there's there's a way to, um, this could be a way of ostracizing your fan base a little bit too by bringing in a guy like Correa. But the fact of the matter is how much, the question I guess is how much do the Dodgers really care about that? Because the Dodgers seem to be a team that is, or an organization that is very focused on its fans and the opinions of its fans because the Dodgers have such a massive, you know, diverse fan base with almost its own culture um how much do the dodgers value that um and and i think that they would value that quite a bit however in the business of sports the whole purpose of it is sure entertainment you want to make money and you want to win games and if the dodgers were to do that not only would they make a lot of money but they would win a whole heck of a lot of games too so you know how does that you know what's the what's the weight of those things and how how do you balance that I do think that there are other names on the market um, that I would prefer, and I think that would be yeah. even better fits for the Dodgers. What I will say is this, and obviously, you know, the Dodgers seem to be one of the front runners. Uh, the Cubs are apparently making a huge push for Correa. Um, that's something that's only come out over the last, you know, 15 hours or so um, since this morning or late last night. But something else that I noticed is that um, that Scott Boris doesn't really seem to care about um, the the whole background that, that Carlos Correa has, especially with the Dodgers. Yeah. He says he doesn't think the front office cares. He says eventually the fans are going to realize that they just want to win games, and he thinks that that is going to be um, the biggest thing with the Dodgers potentially signing Correa, not everything that happened in the past with Correa being very heavily involved with the Astros cheating scandal against the Dodgers. 
Yeah, I think I know what Scott Boris is trying to, what point he's trying to make, because there have been players like in the past, like a Chase Utley, a Shane Victorino, a Brian Wilson, players that Dodgers fans have hated that have come to the Dodgers, and you know, now Chase Utley is like a folk hero, Dodgers fans love him, but the circumstances are completely different. These are just players that are on opposing teams that you just hated, you, you know. In different sports, there are players on other teams that you hate, but there are times when they come to your team when you absolutely love them. This is a different circumstance because he was on that 2017 team. So the fact that he's, you know, come out and he's actually been, I think, the most vocal when it comes to apologizing. Like, I will give him, two, you know, two cents for that. And like you said as well, there are guys I have higher on my list of, you know, options I would prefer. But at the end of the day, like, the whole point of this is to win. The whole point of this is to, like you said, make money. And Carlos Correa, whether we like it or not, is the best option on the market. He's the best free agent overall. And especially if the Dodgers can do one of those three or four year deals where you just pay him a little more money, I wouldn't be opposed to it because defensively, he's maybe arguably the best shortstop in all of baseball. Offensively, he's definitely in the top three. And maybe him coming to the Dodgers, they need that guy that's going to light a spark because they have a lot of leaders, they have a lot of veterans, but they don't have that guy that's going to hit a home run that's going to chuck his bat, that's going to look to the dugout and start hyping everyone up. They don't have that. Hanser Alberto was the best version of that last season, but he was just dancing in the clubhouse. He was just get you know, have it, let, let everyone have a good time. The Dodgers need that guy. They need that guy that has the dog in him, and it is Carlos Correa. So I'm at the point where if it happens, I've kind of accepted it. And considering now, uh, it'll never go away, obviously, the pain, but it happened. It's something we have to accept. And I think at this but point, if you win? Clayton... Yeah. But if you win with Correa, who cares, right? That's the thing. If if you win with him, it, not that it's going to completely throw out what happened in 2017, but if you do win with Carlos Correa, if he does perform at an all-star level, an MVP level, and he helps you win a World Series, all will be forgiven. The only problem is, though, Josh, if they don't, if he doesn't quite you know produce the way he's produced in the past, it could go wrong kind of quickly. And again, the Dodgers yeah. have to weigh all of their options, whether or not it's worth it or not. They know better than us, you know, with potentially doing that but i was going to say clayton kershaw chris taylor austin barnes as of right now those are the only three players with the dodgers that were part of the 2017 team if justin turner comes back there's another if cody bellinger comes back there's another at the end of the day if clayton kershaw says he's okay with it that's all i need he's actually the only opinion i need if clayton kershaw signs off on it then i guess we should too as a fan base because he was affected the most so if our players accept it we should accept it as a fan base those point. are just uh, those are my quick quick two cents on there. But it also Josh going on to the Rosenthal article. A few sentences later, it said Dodgers actually might just uh, pump the brakes, save all their money to just go all in on Shohei Otani next year. So that was a, a little <laughs> fun uh, nugget there as well. Um, one question I want to get to. This is kind of an interesting one. This comes from Eduardo, and it's essentially just pick one of the three. Dodgers can sign Aaron Judge, Carlos Correa, or Carlos Rodon. Who are you picking out of those three? Oh man, I think I think the easy choice would be Judge, but at this point, especially with with some pitchers off the market already, I think Carlos Rodon might be a. I, I don't know. I, I you know I think I think maybe Rodon. I I think if I'm yeah. if I'm trying to be realistic, if I'm trying to be realistic, I think Carlos Rodon. Yeah, I mean, Judge is obviously the sexy, splashy pick, but when you have to take things into account, like the Dodgers do need another starting pitcher, and with Verlander, DeGrom, those guys off the market, outside of Rodon, the starting pitching market is pretty bad. I mean, Andrew Heaney is like one of the better options remaining, so 
if you don't get Rodon, maybe you get some reclamation projects like the Dodgers have done in years past with like Tyler Anderson, Andrew Heaney, sign some guys to cheap deals. But yeah, I think the Dodgers desperately need another starter, maybe two. So again, the fun one, obviously, like you said, is saying Aaron Judge. But I think when looking at this team as a whole and thinking, what is their biggest need right now? I still think the Dodgers' biggest need is another starting pitcher. Sure, the shortstop will come. Sure, another outfielder will come. But you can find those via the trade market. I don't know which starters are available via trade. So, Josh, I'm kind of with you. Give me Carlos Rodon. But I will throw this back to you. I saw some report yesterday, I think, saying he's seeking six years for like $30 million a year. So that would be like a six-year deal for $180 million. I think he's only 28, 29. So he's still fairly young, right in the heart of his prime. He's, Would you he's about be willing to turn 30 actually? Okay. In, so he'll be 30. He turns 30 in four days. Okay. So he's going to be 30 next year. Would you be willing to give him a six year deal regardless of, you know, 30 million, 35 million, whatever it is. But uh, I think the six years would be the bigger kind of uh, hesitancy from the Dodgers. I would think. Yeah. Yeah. I think so too. That's, that's where I would pump the brakes a little bit. I, I mean, I, I, again, I don't know what everyone else would be offering him, but if you were to do between, 28 and 32 million for let I, I i would be in on four years even yeah maybe three would i think three would be ideal but like four to six to me seems like a lot especially with that price tag yeah i agree three to four ideal six years that's a little worrisome i wouldn't go there but then again it's the Dodgers' money, not ours. We're not losing a cent over this. So yep. that wraps up today's episode of Inside the Ravine. Again, a whole lot of more Dodgers news, rumors, all that fun stuff that we're going to cover. The on a f- and the Yeah, I was going to say, and the draft. That's something you definitely want to catch later this week. Thursday, Friday, whenever it comes, make sure to stay tuned for that. So, Josh, before we head out for a few days, any uh, parting words as you sit there rocking your beautiful Ontario rain sweatshirt? Thank you. Oh, yeah. Rain uh, Wednesday night tomorrow. Henderson Silver Knights in town wrapping up a seven game homestand. You can tune in. You sh- Blake, when are you coming out? Hey, you tell me, man. Whenever you leave us free tickets, uh, Dude, we'll make sure to make it. <laughs> are the rain are the rain good this year? The rain have won five of their last six games. Okay. They are in third place in the division, but they have games in hand. They're four points out of first with two games in hand over the first place team. Okay, so uh, the rain train. So we're we're hopping on, we're hopping on the rain yeah, train this on. season. All right, we'll we'll do that. We'll hop on. So again, make yes, sure sir. to stay tuned for a future episode. A whole lot of news to cover. Who knows, Josh? Maybe uh, our next episode. There's going to be some very interesting topics to cover that haven't yet happened yet. So make sure to stay tuned for that. And again, if you're not listening for the Dodgers news, at least at least listen for that Christmas draft because that's going to be oh, a fantastic yeah. one. I've already been prepping. I'm having my girlfriend helping me out because it's tough. You need to cover all angles because there are Christmas songs that you forget about that you don't remember. Yeah. There's some Christmas songs, Josh. I'm like, I know what the song is, but I don't even know what the title is. So I don't even know how to like look it up. So yeah. there's a lot of research that needs to go into this. A lot of homework that's going to be done. Hopefully you bring your A game and maybe Josh, you'll be uh, going for your second straight win. A uh, little yeah. spoiler there, but uh, it's going to be a big one. So make sure to stay tuned for that. Again, you guys can find the show wherever you guys get your podcast on the Odyssey app, on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. Just search Inside the Ravine and whatever social media app you guys use, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Find us there at Inside the Ravine as well. For Josh Schaefer, this has been Blake Harris. Thank you guys so much for listening. We do appreciate it, and we hope you enjoyed the rest of your day wherever you may be.